Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Welcome once again to High Desert Radio, the voice of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. Our host on this edition, Marvin Gottlieb. Hello. Uh, I'm Marvin Gottlieb, and uh, I'm the uh, immediate past president of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. And I'm sitting here today with Ron Hart, who is the current president of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. And uh, we're going to spend uh, the next half hour uh, trying to get to to know uh, Ron a little bit better so that uh, when you folks deal with the Federation, uh, you understand something uh, about our leadership. So, uh, Ron, welcome. Uh, So glad uh, to uh, talk to you today. Uh, I'm very pleased with the the succession that we've had at the uh, Jewish Federation. As a way of beginning, just provide us with some background on yourself, Uh, for example, how did you come to settle in New Mexico? Thank you, Marvin, for inviting me to be a part of this today. And uh, and also for the the work that you've done in setting this up and getting it started as as a way of communication with, with the community. I, actually, my connection with New Mexico started as a child. And uh, my uh, I used to spend my summers out here with visiting my favorite aunt and uncle and... Uh, so, so I, I grew up with the summer vacation enchantment of New Mexico, always thinking that it was, this is the place I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so here we are. Yeah. Well, uh, of course, um, uh, we know you're an anthropologist of some note and uh, that you uh, run uh, Go On uh, Books and Films uh, out of Santa Fe. And in fact, our, our first uh, um, uh, executive uh, president uh, from Santa Fe, and we're very pleased with the way that that connection is uh, is growing these days. But let's focus on your connection with the Jewish community. You seem to have made uh, through your publishing company, through your uh, community efforts, uh, some exceptional efforts to promote Jewish intellectual and artistic life. How has that come about? You know, it's uh, it's a matter of of having that life and and living in it. And coming out of an academic background, I was always involved in publishing, and uh, in fact, as an anthropologist in filmmaking. And um, it was simply a matter of uh, that evolving over time to saying, okay, this is, there are voices in the Jewish community that are uh, not being published, or, and there, there's subjects um, in, in terms of videos and, and short video documentaries that there is an audience for. And uh, so it, it, it evolved over time, and we, so we set up uh, Gowan Books um, in um, about 15 years ago, 
And we've had the privilege of publishing books that I think that have made some contribution and in the different areas. Uh, we Some of them had to do with Jewish history, some with the Sephardic world, because that's we've had that connection. And now in North Africa, again, we have family contacts there. And uh, these are Jewish stories that are not always as well known. And so we wanted to, to make those available. So that's, that's kind of how Gowan books and, and Gowan films have developed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had the, the privilege also of uh, meeting people along the way, like, uh, for example, uh, Rabbi Zalman Shakhtar Shalomi, uh, who really started the Jewish renewal movement. Uh, we got to know him and published some of his books. So uh, those books became winners of Best Book Awards, and uh, it opened up more avenues. We met more people. And uh, so interestingly enough, the authors now run from, from Israel to California, basically, and mm-hmm. many places in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's been a good adventure. Right. You mentioned one of the... Uh influencers for this? Were there other uh, major influencers that sort of turned you in the direction of this this work as uh, as it was developing? You know, um, one person I have to mention, my, uh, my wife's sister, an anthropologist, <clears throat> Nina Friedemann, who um, she and I worked very closely together. Uh, and um, we had a, a kind of, the thing that evolved over time, uh, Nina wrote very extensively, and um, we always discussed the thing of, of maybe this could actually become a publishing venture. And uh, so I, I have to mention her name. So mm-hmm. Gloria, my wife, Gloria Bellavallon, mm-hmm. um, has been the wonderful lady. partner in all of this process. Mm-hmm. And, um, and her, her sister, Nina, uh, we were the kind of the three that worked together and... Uh, uh, unfortunately, Nina passed away, but uh, Gloria and I were able to continue with the dream that the three of us really had had initially. You know? mm-hmm. While uh, we uh, in the Albuquerque, Santa Fe area uh, know you as a civic leader and as a publisher of Jewish materials and uh, also um, an instigator for some wonderful, wonderful uh, Jewish programming, much of which we're looking forward to some fairly soon, and um, we'll ask you to talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, first, perhaps there are some who don't know you as an author. Can you tell us something about your publications? Is there a consistent pattern of interest on your part in terms of your research and and writing? For me personally? Yeah. Ah, okay. Ethnohistory, you know, so my, my uh, training background is in cultural anthropology. And um, I had the, the fortune of studying with David Bidney at Indiana University, who was a leader in, in working with culture um, and, and understanding how culture worked in the Jewish community. And kind of growing from that, uh, that's where my writing interests have, have continued. Um, so uh, I've done a book on an introductory book on Judaism, and I mean, we have a plethora, we have a, a world of books on Judaism, but each one of us has a statement we'd like to make about it. So mm-hmm. there was uh, 
And uh, so I did one on that, which really, for me, was looking at the the ethno-history of the Jewish experience, Mm -hmm. the cultural history of being Jewish. And then more recently, I did a book on Sephardic Jews, uh, again, doing the same thing, looking at what is the cultural history of uh, this group of people, looking uh, not only the experience in Spain, but then what happened in the diaspora after the expulsion and people scattered around the Mediterranean and the Ottoman Empire and Morocco and other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what, you know, what was the cultural history that happened there? So that's been really personally what and the the unwritten book of course that's <laughs> we always all have there. those yes. yeah, the one that is supposed to be done right. is uh, a carryover from having lived in colombia all those years and uh, colombia had uh, one of the three uh, major offices of the inquisition in the americas and there actually was a jewish Col- uh, community in the city of cartagena in colombia and uh, uh, one of the discussions I've had with uh, with uh, Stan Hordes about this, this was in the, the colonial period when when Jews were not legally allowed to be in Spanish territory. Uh, so so Stan said, ah, they, they're crypto Jews. Uh, the actual fact is they they were hidden in a sense, uh, but these were people who had had a minion. They met on Shabbat. They had services. They had someone who led services. Uh, they they had an active community, and they could have it at that time in Colombia because um, the authorities were looking the other way and didn't really care mm-hmm. that much. Uh, but there was a certain point when the order came from the crown in Spain to crack down on the Jews, um, and uh, they they did have to go into hiding or leave. Uh, so <clears throat> I've, I've collected the material over that, and... Uh, done the research on the names and, the, and it's 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 incredible the the information that we can actually have from records of names right. of people who they were what they did what their businesses were who their mm-hmm. families were that story is the unwritten book that uh well it's it sounds fascinating yeah, and we're, yeah. we're we'll be uh we'll be uh, eagerly looking uh, for that publication not that i want to put more work on you right now because uh, I'd like to uh, turn our attention to the Jewish Federation and ask uh, now as president um, of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico, what do you see as the greatest challenges going forward? And uh, give us a little high-level idea of what your plans are for addressing them. It seems to me that the Federation is the Jewish service organization that really can meet the needs of Jews throughout the state. And thinking in terms of the Federation in that sense, it reaches uh, across religious boundaries uh, to people who are affiliated or unaffiliated. The Federation gives such important services from the time that someone is a child and learning about Judaism until people are older in life and needing the assistance that uh, sometimes is needed at that point, the, the Federation is there. So with that vision, with that understanding of the Federation and looking at it as the decision was made some years back, that it be a statewide organization, the thing comes to say, okay, how 
can the Federation most effectively be present beyond the two major urban centers of, of uh, Albuquerque and Santa Fe? And how can the Federation help Jewish life in New Mexico? Then we start using one of your phrases, we start getting into the weeds, <laughs> the details of how that is carried out from the annual campaign to provide resources to help Jewish life, to, to identifying the, the various organizations that are doing all this worthwhile work. And we start looking at them, uh, just recently looking at their, there are some 40 programs that the Federation funds throughout the state of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's this responsibility, the sense of responsibility of how, how are those, the needs of those organizations met in the different parts of New Mexico and starting with the major population in Albuquerque and then expanding beyond that to the others. Mm -hmm. If we um, look into the future and we try to envision a... New Mexico with a vibrant Jewish community. And let's assume for a moment that um, Federation and other organizations uh, with Federation support have been successful. What do you see? What is the, the hope for the New Mexico Jewish community? How does it look in the future if, if we're successful? Relating to the Jewish community itself... But even beyond that, relating to the Jewish community's relationship to New Mexico as a whole. One of the things um, that I think is important, um, for example, in the Jewish care program, we, we might think initially, that given, even given the name Jewish care program, that it only addresses the needs of Jewish people who are in need. But the actual fact is the program addresses people beyond the Jewish community. And I think this is one of the important things also that the larger community around us understands that um, the work of the Jewish Federation, although is very much oriented toward Jewish life, but it, it's also about being a responsible member of the larger society. Hmm. And um, it's not only about being Jewish, it's also about being New Mexican. It's about being um, people who are in need of, whether it be education or other kinds of needs that come there. The Jewish Federation is present. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to mention that uh, one of the impacts uh, that you've already had on, on the organization and on the community is uh, with your using your rich background and contacts, the kind of programming that uh, you've been bringing to the community just in the short time that you have been present uh, as, as president. One of our initiatives, our new initiatives, is what we call the Jewish University. So maybe uh, you could take a, a minute or so and talk a little bit about that and maybe uh, something about one of our the upcoming programs that you have. Yeah, the, the Jewish University is, although it is not a university as such, but it is a, the idea of having, a, a, in a sense, a continuing ed program where we can have, invite, established speakers 
on Jewish history and on Jewish subjects. And one of the speakers who is uh, who is coming uh, now, the, the actually the inaugural event for this in Santa Fe, is Shalom Savar, who is an art historian from Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And uh, he's a specialist on Jewish art history. And he is coming with a talk about Rembrandt and the Bible and the Jews, uh, looking particularly at uh, Rembrandt's connection with the Jewish community in Amsterdam. And he has an interesting point, which is that he thinks that it was that connection with the Jewish community that helped make Rembrandt's art exceptional. And um, to use his words, became better and more sophisticated because of his contact with the community. So it's, it's interesting. We all know that Rembrandt did the portraits of many Jewish people, and uh, he lived in the Jewish community himself. So it's, it's fascinating to get into these details of life that come out about major art figures uh, who was not Jewish himself, mm-hmm. but whose, whose involvement in the Jewish community contributed to making his art great. And um, we will be having another speaker coming up soon, Dr. Alma Gottlieb, who is... Uh, no relation, I know. No, no relation, <laughs> interestingly enough, yes. But uh, she is uh, now at Brown University and is doing some very interesting work on, uh, on Sephardic Jews. And in, in, in this actually has a connection to New Mexico, because in New Mexico we know about uh, crypto-Jews and people who came out of a Jewish background and then with the expulsion and the Inquisition converted. She has done some work with a, with a parallel community in Cape Verde, which is another part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we're having a similar experience. In Cape Verde, uh, there were conversos, people who uh, were Jewish and converted. Uh, and she's followed up on their history, uh, seeing what their descendants today, how they're dealing with that background. What does it mean to them? What are they trying to do with it? So Alma Gottlieb will be here um, as one of the next speakers uh, speaking on that subject, which which is a parallel subject to the New Mexico experience. Wow. Well, we are certainly looking forward to these uh, programs. Uh, if they are anywhere near the quality of the ones that we have already experienced. Uh, we're in for a, uh, a wonderful experience indeed. Uh, Ron, thank you for um, letting us uh, delve into your life a little bit here to introduce you to some people who might not otherwise be able to get to know you. And uh, as immediate past president, I uh, welcome you aboard and uh, I assure you um, myself and uh, the rest of the executive committee and the board will provide you with all the support that you need and we're really looking forward to your having a very successful tenure. Thank you very much. That's it for this edition of High Desert Radio. Thanks so much for listening. High Desert Radio is the voice of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. Remember, in order for us to continue providing quality programs like High Desert Radio and to continue our work in service to Jewish seniors, Holocaust survivors, low-income families, children, young professionals, Israel, and more, 
the Jewish Federation of New Mexico relies entirely on the generosity of listeners like you. Make your contribution today to jewishnewmexico.org. Remember, you can subscribe to this series on iTunes and be sure to visit us at jewishnewmexico.org. Till next time, for High Desert Radio, I'm David Wolf. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.